Welcome to Homespun Wisdom Talks with My Neighbour, although she's several hundred miles away at the moment, on the other end of a Zoom link, with me, Daniel Confino, in France, and my neighbour, Sarah Carmen, over here in England. Okay. Well, we're neighbouring countries, although now with Brexit, we don't, we're not treated like neighbours anymore. We're, we're, the Brits are treated the same as the uh, Peruvians, as far as coming to France is concerned. All those ancient, all that ancient history of wars and intermarriage at the royal family level—it's all forgotten. Oh no! Anyway, um, now Sarah, I notice you are having your cup of coffee. I am indeed. What method did you make? Did you use to make that? A cafetiere. So I, the push-down method, the press. Yeah, the plunger. And the cafetiere sounds very French, doesn't it? Wee oui, wee. Oui. I think it's quite interesting that when you think about the difference between countries that the French push down that sort of gauze filter mm. and the uh, Italians have that sort of bubbling up percolator thing. So they're just popping, you know, bubbling up and the French is, French is pushing down and I'm sure they've been to war over smaller trivial things than that. Yes, I quite I like do... the Italian way. Yeah, yeah. Some people think it overheats the coffee, but apparently that's a bit of a myth. You can't really overheat coffee in that way. The French say le café brûlé et le café ruiné. The burnt coffee is the ruined coffee. Mm. Well, so I used um, a Melita paper in, in an original cone made by Melita, which we bought in, in a brocante over here in France. It's um, a very beautiful thing with sort of fluted interior and a nice handle. It's made out of white ceramic. It makes you feel good using it. Ah. But yeah, so, um, yes, you just drip that through the paper. And you place it oh. on top of the a cup or a, a jug. Is that oh, the actually, one? Jane, Jane has got a very beautiful Wedgwood jug. I think it's a replacement of one she originally saw in a, in a, in a charity shop. I think we passed by on a Sunday night and she saw it in the window and fell in love with it. Oh, yeah. And then was there at eight o'clock in the morning on the, on the Monday when it opened and couldn't believe how little money they wanted for it. I think she might have told them to take more money i can't remember but anyway it became a it's just you know how some jugs just are so beautiful perfectly proportioned yes and it also makes a perfect amount of coffee for two people oh wonderful um, and we have a little cozy that goes over the top of it which keeps the coffee warm very cute. so yes it's, it's quite a ritual making coffee you know whichever method you use i think those people that buy one of these huge Block Gadget or DeLonghi or whatever they're called machines that you know you pour everything in, you put milk in, you put water in, you put coffee beans in, and press a button and, and something happens and just makes you a coffee. You know, you just put a cup underneath and there it goes. Yeah, kind of, it's lost all the ritual, hasn't it? It has. You just get that big think... hum. Where's it going as it's making it? <laughs> Yeah, I remember one of my first strong memories was going to Milan when I was 10 years old for my brother's bar mitzvah mm. over there, because that's where the other side of the family were living. Right, I see. And um, and when they made coffee, you know, they started off by grinding the beans, you know, in a hand-driven, you know, hand grinder into a little drawer. 
So that was the handle that. at the top and you spin it round and round and round. Yeah, you just turn the handle and it grinds the beans and, you make, and they drop into a drawer which you pull out. When you pour that into the percolator and you know, about an hour later you get a cup of coffee. But you feel like there's been a process, you know, there's a, there's a method and a, you know, you understand what's been going on. Whereas all these clever dick, thousand pound, you know, cubic meter sized bricks that you have taking up half your kitchen making disgusting noises um yeah you know they're they're so so, so distanced from the whole process yeah um anyway so we used today we actually have a french method which is um involves putting a huge geological sized mound of coffee in the top and pouring water through it through a gauze at the bottom and it just sort of takes like a, like a geological era to make the coffee so you know a hundred thousand years later something starts dripping through at the bottom <laughs> but it does make it does make extremely good coffee oh, um, okay. seems to get most of the coffee out of it you know you can make a huge vat of, co- of coffee out of the same amount of coffee i use in the melita the two of us i can make enough for a table full of people anyway we're getting That's stuck on coffee but i like I, yeah go ahead i was just going to say uh, there's a there's a thing called the AeroPress, which is quite popular these days. Have yeah, you seen... I've heard about that. You've heard about it? Well, I think it's for making one cup of coffee, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, just the one. And I think you've got to pump it. Yeah, I've seen it. It's like a chamber, and you know, sort of like a piston, mm. I think. Um, well, obviously, there are many, many ways of making coffee. Um, I actually have a manual... Uh, espresso maker which Zachary bought me with two big levers that pump down a piston and force water through um, uh, a porter filter you know it's just like in the, the barista would have right it makes like espresso sized cup of coffee but I made one for myself early this morning just to remind myself how to make it oh nice um, yeah but I mean I think the kitchen is an interesting place where we all have little rituals and ways of doing things and you know organisation that we prefer Yes, that's where our, uh, our podcast started, sat in your kitchen. Yeah, I, I, I've got a bit of a thing, and I, here's an admission that I, I need to make publicly. <laughs> an admission. I, I, I buy more Kilmer jars or, or their equivalent than, than is normal, you know, like a lot more than is normal. I mean, last time I went out to the garden centre, I bought 36, you know. Well, that is a lot. Yeah, um, litre-sized ones. Oh, I think they're litre-sized, um, which seems to be a good... You can't compress them, of course. You know, if you keep things in packets, you can squeeze out the air and tie a little, you know, um, a twist tie over it, and, and they get smaller as you use them. Yeah. But with with a with a Kilner jar, unless you move things around from bigger to smaller, you know, you've basically got that one fixed size. Yeah. But I, I just thought maybe we could start there today. So okay. How we, how we store things and... And maybe you could examine why I've got this great love for Kilmer jars and the, the rubber rings and the little cage that snaps shut for anyone that's not clear. I think they're called mason jars for all you people listening in, in Columbus, Ohio. I don't know why you've got so many people there. It's, it always strikes me as odd. But anyway, to, hello, uh, all of you in Columbus, Ohio. I think they're called mason jars over there. Jars, yeah. But they're, they're, they're the ones with the, with the hinged lid made of glass with a rubber ring and you, you, you snap shutter. A little clasp to keep things tight. Yeah. So, what's a bell jar? A bell jar—that's something that that's shaped 
um, like a bell, which you put over food, like a, over cheese. You might have a bell. Oh, uh, okay. Or sometimes they're glass and you put them over living plants and you create a little, right. a little um, you know, microclimate under that. I see. Um, that's no, something, nothing to do with, with what I'm talking about. Okay. Well, I do know the mason jar, the Kilner jars. They're very popular. They're starting to, you know, become a household item again. What with all these refillable, the the push for not using containers, the lack of plastic. Yeah, I think, I think people have worked, worked out that plastic actually leaks plasticizers into your food. Mm. And the worst thing you can do is eat something up in a in a one of those plastic kind of Chinese takeaway meal boxes because if you heat it up the plasticizers will come out into the food yeah if you need a, any any help with understanding what plasticizers are if you drive a car and occasionally notice there's a fogging on the inside of the windscreen which you have to clean off that is the hot air that you blow onto your windscreen uh, to to get rid of moisture, that's the plasticizers coming out of the pipework and spraying onto your windscreen. And yeah, that's all the evidence you need that this stuff is everywhere. God. And uh, I think glass is considered a much much safer material. Yeah, yeah. But I, I use kiln jars for a variety of things. I mean, one is when I'm making preserved items like chutneys or my famous pear mostarda. You know, if, you, if you've sterilized the jars and put everything in hot, hot and then clamp them shut, then that will, will not go bad, even out of the fridge for, for months and months and months. Oh, wow. Um, and, um, and I also use them just for storing ordinary things like my all bran or my, or my granola um, and all those types of things. Because you know, I, just, I just like the ritual of flicking open the clip and helping myself to stuff and then snapping it shut again. It, it, it feels nicer than a box with, with a plasticky bag inside. Definitely. Actually, there's, I've mentioned before, TikTok. There are videos of people refilling their food items and they're just recording the sounds of everything. So the, the flick of the, the uh, metal clasp, the air, uh, the pop that goes open, the pour of the granola as it goes in. It's a it's a it's a trend now, Daniel. Really? Yeah. They're recorded really? AS, ASMR. So it's the sound. The it's the sound recording. Right. That people listen to and I think it's kind of sensory in it kind of entices people to listen to what's going on and it's soothing yeah. so all these sounds that I, I must admit i hadn't thought about that side of it although mm. you know it's uh, i i can see the i can see the little pleasure that you know the, the pleasure that might be obtained from just paying attention to small details yeah and you know i mean i'm jane and i many years ago went to an op not an opera but a, a sort of show where they brought over Italian uh, craftspeople at the Almeida Theatre. One was mixing cement, one was making pasta, one was sharpening knives, one was bricklaying, you know, stonemason, um, all sorts of trades. And you could just, they just did their, the noise of their trade, even the mixing of cement. 
has an extremely distinctive sound when you think about it. The sort of the the shovel going into the cement and turning things over, mm. and the breaking eggs and the pasta making and the, and the, the knife. Oh, there was a barrel maker as well, uh, knocking the rings around the wood, and yeah, it was it was incredible. And they they were orchestrated, so it became like a like a musical. Um, mm. Oh. And uh, I guess if you listen to any domestic sounds, you know, you could listen to them with a new sort of reverence. So maybe maybe this is part of my Kilmer joy, you know, sort of fixation. <laughs> also, I've noticed they stack quite well. If you, if you stick to the same brand. Oh, yeah. They, they, will, they will sit on top of each other, you know, quite happily. I mean, mm. I think there's a danger of having them three or four high, but it might fall over. But... Um, one or two yeah. fine. Okay. <laughs> um, but yes, they um they and yeah, there's there's something about the feel of them holding one in my hand because the litre size just fits snugly. You know, I, I get um I get some sort of pleasure out of that. I also um, have been making a lot of um uh, my smoked almonds and cashew nuts over here. Oh Do you want to comment on those whilst I'm pouring another cup of coffee? Well, do you know what? As I was preparing my coffee, I looked at the items I had in a glass jar, not a kilner jar, but just a screw top one. And I thought I can either go for my ginger biscuits or some lovely smoked nuts. And I opted for the ginger biscuits with my coffee because the smoked nuts that you have made, Daniel, seasons, whatever... It's so delicious. I wouldn't want to ruin the taste washing it down with coffee. No, they wouldn't go with coffee. They're better off with a gin and tonic. A gin and tonic, yeah. <laughs> I just grab a handful every so often and just enjoy them as they are. But I will try it with a gin and tonic. I've got so much gin currently in my house. I stocked up. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, but I, I have a, like a, a lovely little arrangement. With a, there's a, a restaurant that opened down the road here where we are in France. You know, quite an upmarket one for the place because you know it's it's sort of middle of the road, but this place was very very much more upmarket, selling you know kind of artisan cider and doing very nice crepe made out of um, purely plant based um, materials. Ah. I can't remember what they use, some sort of special plant. Anyway, um, and the lady who runs it is sort of quite friendly, and there's a chap there called Tibor who I I don't know why I gave him a um, a kilner jar of nuts, these smoked nuts, and um, he was so addicted that we now have this little arrangement where you know I, he will eat them and give me back the empty jar, which I will refill, and, and they give me a sort of like a big discount. Oh, <laughs> we go down the, we, we go down there because um, you know that's 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 become like a little barter arrangement. I love that a little trade off. Yeah. Perfect. And I, and I get it back, you see, and then refill it. And that's the deal. If I don't get it back, they don't get any more nuts. So, in a way, we've got the perfect packaging. And it, and it just looks nice in a, you know, on a shelf. I mean, you know, when, you, when you've got a shelf full of Kilner jars with interesting coloured things in them, maybe they're fermenting, maybe they're, you know, suspended in some sort of liquid with lighting from the back or the top, which brings out the colour scheme. You know, they, they actually become like a, an installation, you know, like a beautiful, a beautiful thing in its own right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can stack them in front of a window or something like that. You'd get that light coming through. 
I mean, so you can, yes, you can have all sorts of things that are being preserved, pickle. In France here, they do a lot of things, um, fruits in alcohol. Um, I was just going to mention, I've got a jar of alcohol uh, with uh, some herbs in there currently doing its thing. Yeah. And that was just me reusing a, a, an old bottle, which was aesthetically a ple uh, pleasing. So I thought, actually, yeah. let me decanter it from what it's in into this nicer bottle. And I, I think the yeah, I think the whole idea of having a lot of kiln jars with things that have been preserved and you know are, are maturing in some way mm. leads to this sense of well-being um, that you've got you know a, a good stock of things against anything that might happen in the world. Yeah. Um, you you know you're sort of a bit bulletproof, should we say? And that you can look at that and think, yeah, you know that's that's. Fine. I mean, most people just have cans and packets which are shoved away in a cupboard somewhere you wouldn't ever put those on display no. they don't look nice do they no uh, no one would make a feature of them but somehow when they get into a kilner jar then they become a thing you know and and um i think you're happy to present and a thing that gives you a sense of of well-being and possibilities you know the idea of pulling down a jar and using something from it yeah um so I, I have a bit of an argument with my wife, Jane, about this. And let, let's see how everyone's going to react. But I will quite often open a new packet of, let's say, sultanas. So they're in a sealed packet. Right. Quite happy in a pillow. And I will open them and put them in a, <laughs> in a kilner jar. And that causes a little bit of stress because, you know, and I can see the issue. And why, why would you open a new packet? But. Then see, my theory is once they're in the kiln jar, you're more likely to use them because you just have to snap the lid, yeah, and then pour some out. Whereas if they're in a and you in a, in a packet somewhere, you won't see them. You don't even know they you've got them. It's a big issue to open the packet. And then you've got to find a, something to snap it shut, like you know one of those clips or something. And they're just the the, the kiln jar just is more immediate. It's leaning into your life. It's there, uh, something that, that that's sort of slightly nagging it. You to you. So the other day I, I found some white beans that had been in the kiln of jar, and I just thought, you know, I'll I'll make some beans. Um right. you can and, see uh, they're looking at you, you go, oh actually. Yeah, and I actually I kept them overnight, soaked them, and then I cooked them, probably a little bit overcooked because I didn't don't have the you know, there's no timing on it. And then I made an amazing chorizo stew. Lovely. Go, and, and did a pepper salad to go with it, which we're having for lunch today. And then the beans will be added at the last minute. And, yeah. Yeah, and I just thought that, that whole thing was inspired, that whole meal was inspired just by the, the, the looking at the at the beans in the kilner jar. Yes. I um, just thinking, I've, I've been reminded fondly of what my dad used to do. So he'd do something similar with the raisins and sultanas and put them into a different jar. In the 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 rolled oats the oats would go not in a kilner jar but in it was a container that must have had uh it was a it was from something that he'd made beer with because dad my dad used to do uh lots of home um, yeah so the this tall it was a metal container with a plastic lid 
and I I can see it, but I can't see the brand on there. But it was definitely something from beer making. And he'd always decanter the oats into there. And then we'd open that up, shake it out. It's easier to pour oats out from a sturdy container than the flimsy plastic packet. So, yeah, yeah. you're speaking. I'm just like... Oh, that's right. You, if you, yeah, if you, if you have porridge oats in a packet, actually, the, the original Scots porridge oats are quite nice the 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 packaging has never changed is that in a guy in a in a, in a kilt doing something like push, um, shot putting or something yeah you know the edinburgh games whatever what were the games the highland games Highland games yeah yeah and um you know so yeah you can sort of imagine a a, a breakfast table with you know the, the cornflakes which is a classic package as well yeah and got, well they wouldn't put scotch porridge oats on the table because you have to cook them but yeah, you know that something, that, and these things are decorative, and and have an immediacy. I think this is this is what I'm trying to say. Is if you, it's a bit like my theory about neat filing away of paperwork. If you file everything away neatly in a in a company, you never look at it again. If you have a slightly messy desk, yeah, you're forced to look through your paperwork to find the thing you need there and then, and in the process, you find other things which maybe make more sense to you now than when you put them there or for another reason. Mm. And it's a bit like that with kilmer jars. I mean, although Jane does find it oppressive that I've got kilmer jars everywhere, packed up two and three. And I, I think um, she, she she's got to the point where she's going to nip down to the to the garden centre where I buy them and just sort of say that what she normally <laughs> tells me from the store. <laughs> she'll just say that he's actually on day release, and uh, you know one of his one of his things is buying ridiculous amounts of kilmer jars which he doesn't need um please don't sell him anymore you know so you um, don't want these returned if you gift them to someone well it's not, I, I give people nuts in the jars not expecting the jars back you know right um that's that's part of the deal but it's another beautiful thing isn't it you give somebody the nuts and when they finish them the jar is a useful thing in the kitchen yeah i mean yeah. everyone can find use for a kilmer jar somewhere they can I mean, over here, they're quite cheap. They're called um, parfait, which means perfect. And um, I get them for about two euros each. So that's £1.60. So that's incredibly cheap. Sorry? That's for a large one. That's for the litre size, yeah. Yeah, that is very good. That's very good. For yeah. Them. And um, so, yeah, I don't mind making a present out of them. You can tie a bow on them and... And Jane had some labels made for me in COVID, which were about my homemade chutneys from the kitchen of Daniel Confino or whatever, you know, so you can decorate the the, the, the jar in some way to personalise it and give a bit of detail about what what's inside. I I do the, the nuts, I've got the date of manufacture and any special details, like um, some of them I made with bacon the other day. Oh, how gone down storm. Amazing. Yeah, so I just mix a bit of chimbled up crispy bacon into the the hot caramel and salt mix before they go into the smoker for four hours. Cold smoker, by the way. There's no heat. It's, it's just um, like a smouldering smoke environment that I've built something here, especially for that. And um, yeah, so you know, I, I'm, I'm, I've become a bit of a uh, a nut, really, <laughs> myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, and no, I, 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 go ahead. I was just going to say there is something very beautiful about looking at these these uh, 
nuts and dried fruits and jars. And I went to Nice not so long ago and the breakfast setup had these jars on the side that you could add things to your yogurt or your cereal. And it's quite it's quite novel as you pop it open and you sprinkle it on and you put it back and you go, oh, what's in this jar? And you pick it up and you spin it round and you go, oh, actually, yes, I like what's in there. You're right, actually. It reminds me of a restaurant that Jane and I used to go to in, in Italy with a friend who lives out there. And he would have all sorts of incredible things in Kilmer jars or similar jars. And he would just bring them to the table with a big spoon in them. And you could literally ladle out what you wanted. Yeah. You know, it, it, such a sense of well-being that you can do that. You know, if they just give you a little smidge of something on the side of your plate, it just looks mean and awful. But giving you a you know a large jar and it, it always looks homemade. You know, if you go to a restaurant or somewhere and they've got Kilmer jars, you think, well, that was homemade. Very few people would be mean enough to spoon out you know, shop bought jam into a Kilmer jar just to create the illusion that it was oh, homemade. Yeah. They're nearly always um, homemade, although they they would use a small jar for that, or maybe they don't need the rubber ring one. They use the other types with a screw top. Yeah. Well, it even goes to show, because what's that jam that's made in Essex that you get in the hotels, those small miniature ones? Yeah. Um, oh, I can't think. I know the one you mean. You just look at them and you go, oh, they're so cute. Look at the little jar that they're in. And then you see the the Hartleys and the plastic. Yeah, and the sachets. Yeah, and, you, and they just don't have the same appeal. You just want to twist open the top and hear the... The pop is the seal's broken, and then you yeah. your knife well, in the jar. And glass has always um, got a higher quality image. You know, if you if you order a a drink in a bar or a restaurant, like a Coke, it always comes in a glass bottle. Yeah. When when you, when you go to a supermarket, it's in a plastic bottle. You know, and um, the catering version has always got glass. Even water at the table is typically in, in a glass bottle, isn't it, rather than a plastic it is. bottle? Yeah. And, so I think I think glass automatically has that sort of sense of well-being, you know, something permanent, even though it can break quite easily. But it's, it feels like it's it's got some history. Maybe that's another thing about um, about life is you know all this one-time disposable single-use packaging. You know you, you don't take hold of a package of something and think, mm, well, you know, I wonder what this has been doing all its life. Whereas my Kilmer jars have got the sense of residue of sticky labels on labels on labels on labels. You know, what has this been in the course of its travels? It's been nuts, and then it was pear mostarda, and then it was beetroot chutney, um, you know, and then it was, um, I, I do this amazing uh, red fruit compote for my yogurt, where yeah. I buy a frozen bag of, um, of red fruits and just heat them up with a little bit of sugar very gently, and it turns into a beautiful compote. Uh, and I put that in the kiln, and keep that in the fridge, you know, and you bring that out when you need it. And it's just, it's just, I feel good about just spooning it out from that jar. It just feels right for me. Yeah, no, definitely. This, this, uh, Jane, Jane's walked out in protest whilst I've been talking because you know, she was listening to me talking. <laughs> I, think, I think she probably wants to come back and say something about how she can't move every time she opens the cupboard. There's a wall of Kilner jars. I mean... <laughs> An impenetrable wall of kilter jars of things that would be quite happy in a package somewhere, but 
But the point is, the package would have been in the bottom of a box in the middle of nowhere, and then we'd all have forgotten that we had sultanas if that happened. Like, I really think there's a an argument here for knowing what you've got and displaying it. Well, maybe I, there's room for a kiln, a tray, so you can stock things in a on a tray to a little basket to pull out and have a look. Yeah. I've had to do that with some of my uh, some of my spices because there's only so many rooms, so much room in a cupboard for jars. That yeah, but everyone has a spice rack of some sort, don't they? I mean, that, that's normal. Yes, but, you know, you, <laughs> they get refilled. I don't, I try not to yeah. buy a new jar of spice because the glass is there, like the kilners, to be refilled. So you just buy a, yeah. a yeah. sachet and top it up. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I got into a bit of a, a wrangle here. Uh, because there's a, a, a big kitchen window above one of the work surfaces, a double window. Uh, one one side opens, the other side doesn't. And I was, I was going to get Barry, the furniture maker that we use, to build me something that would would stand in front of the unopening window right. to support the kiln the jar that was going to be made. So it stood on the worktop and then had the perfect width and height between yeah. shelves to, to take my kiln jar so they would all be illuminated from the back through the window you know okay. which looks great with liquids and, and, and as i was saying earlier you know, but that got vetoed unfortunately yeah um it was kind of like an over my dead body issue which i had to think about for a few minutes but you know finally decided that it probably wasn't worth it no not if you're dead not, well, it wouldn't be me would it no yeah no not if they're dead. <laughs> Oh it's, right, it's right next to the kitchen knife so you know i mean uh but I mean, more seriously yes yeah. so now i i think the, the let's just move away from the kilner jars for a minute and look, talk about alternatives that people use which is keeping things in the plastic bags and, and then what do they do do they just fold it down there's all sorts of clever dick bags these days that have some sort of sticker thing don't they yeah there's so a when, when you... the class thing or oh, so funny you should mention this because i I don't know where I saw it, but someone was saying, oh, they just fold down the packets of biscuits and shove it against the wall. Yeah, that's the lazy route. Yeah. One of the best investments you can ever make is to get a, a metal McVitie's digestive tin oh, with a yeah. lid. And then you can actually put the plastic package in the tin and I... seal it. I question people who do not have a biscuit tin in their house. There's nothing like being served up a soggy biscuit. <laughs> it's like, well, you mean there's nothing worse than being served up a soggy biscuit? No. You go, oh, biscuits, oh, yes, please, and you bite into it and it's soft. It's like, where yeah. have you kept this? Yeah, exactly. Nothing worse. When you say there's nothing like, that sounds like it's good. There's nothing oh, no, like. I thought I said there's nothing worse than... No, you said nothing like. Oh, sorry. I, I said nothing worse. Oh. Oh, okay. There's nothing. Yeah. Okay. I think, uh, excuse me, my lord, but I find this witness lacking credibility. <laughs> she she can't, can't remember what she said two minutes ago and then repeats things that I said, claiming that she said. <laughs> I, I asked that her entire testimony may be struck from the record and the jury be instructed to ignore everything that she, she has said. Oh yes, Mr. Gavino, I think I agree with you on this point. All right, there's nothing worse than a soggy biscuit. And yeah, I mean, there are, some people are just extremely lazy. You live with a variety of people. I'm sure you, you 
you know, you, you, you notice that some people take the time to sort of put a seal, like a little clip or a tie or something to make sure that things are kept well and others just sort of scrunch down the cornflake yeah. in a thing and, and hope that's good enough and then, you know, shut it in the cupboard because they can't be bothered. Yeah. Nothing worse than soggy cornflakes either. Soggy cornflakes. They need to be crisp for the 10 seconds before the milk does all the damage, you know. Indeed. Indeed. Get that crunch. People put too much milk in their cereals, which does make them go soggy. Um, and then they just leave all that milk and pour it away. But, yeah. you know, yeah. you can make cornflake ice cream. So if you've got that leftover milk, you can... Uh... So... Talk to me about tins then. I, I've been I've been going on about glass. Yeah. You know. Okay. Talk to me about tins. I mean, quite a lot of people have tins because of things like Christmas when they get sweets or something in a quality street tin. Actually, Daniel, I love biscuit tins. Any tin, sweet tins. Where you go into Marks and Spencers, Waitrose, anywhere at Christmas that does a lovely little tin or a big tin, even better. I'm guaranteed to purchase it either for myself or someone else because you can reuse it. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking whilst you were talking that when you have travel sweets, they're always in a tin, aren't they? No one wants them in a bloody packet. No. So they get lost to the bottom of your bag. You know, they're they, always in a tin. They feel extra special when they're in a tin. Yeah. It just draws your well, eye to it and go, oh, there must be something nice in there. Yeah, I, it reminds me just before we get too deeply into tins, I'll come back. But whenever I'm shopping and they're selling things in a Kilmer jar, mm. or you know, like a Kilmer type jar, like the other day I bought some figs in cognac, which was a, something to go with your cheese. Lovely. Because it was in a lovely Kilmer jar. And then I ended up giving one away to somebody we were going for lunch with. And she was so pleased, you know, because it, she was doing a cheese board. And then I noticed when I went back there the other day, she was using the jar for something else to do with baking. You know, so it had done its circuit. It had gone from being a um, figs in cognac to, to having flour or sugar in it for her book, for her baking. Yeah. I thought, and, and just think about the next iteration, the next life, if the reincarnation of the Kilmer jar is some pickles or something. But yeah, let's come back to tins because I, I think we should move on from my sort of particular hobby horse here. You're right. There's something in a tin. I mean, I'm actually looking at where I am. I can see a plastic tin that was used, well, not tin, tub that was used for car, um, celebrations chocolates. Oh, yeah. And they, they went to a plastic thing. They've gone to you plastic. Know, from a metal. And the metal yeah, tins saw... used to be quite high. They used to be really deep. Yeah, the Quality Street ones. Do you remember them? They probably yeah. still are metal. Are they still metal? Um, I saw I, one in a plastic container. I mean, one, once one of them breaks ranks and sort of thinks it's okay to do them in plastic, then I expect they'll all follow. But I think these days, you know, people know that the, you don't throw away a metal tin, do you? You no. throw away the pub. You might keep it for something. But the metal tin, you think, no, I'm not throwing that away. That's going to come in useful. Yeah. I, I was thinking that we need more nesting sizes. So you have tins and tins and tins like matrioshka dolls. You know, so... We're going to have one giant tin with 10 smaller tins all inside each other. So they just take up the space of the one giant tin, which you can put on top of the kitchen cupboard or something. Yeah. Um, but you're right. You know, you know, Jane gives away mince pies in a little tin. 
Could you imagine giving away a little plastic thing? No. How you know, cheap and nasty that would be. Yeah. No, I, I, like I annoy myself with the, the things that I collect that have come in useful packaging. And I just stack it up and I go, oh, that will be useful one day. And then when I finally find a use for it, I'm so excited. And then, yeah, as you see, when you pass it on to someone, the joy in their face, that when they see it, they go, oh, this is great. And then they use it again. So I know we need to, we really need to promote reusing items yet again and not think, oh, well, they're being cheap. Well, I think, I think we're making a bigger point, Sarah. I think we're, we're saying that, that stuff that's been around, mm. you know, is um, it's just more sort of it's got, it's got sort of more history, more legacy, more character, yeah, more mystery, more yeah. I mean, I, I think I made the point on a previous podcast that one of my favourite frying pans has a has a vague echo of everything I've cooked in it because I never use any detergent on it. I just give it a a good hot wash, you know, right, yeah. oil water in it, just tip that away in a wipe. I never never scrub it. And um and yeah, so that that has some the molcajete they use to grind stuff in Mexico always is, is never washed, always has a, a sense of what's gone on before. And I think that all this single use stuff has no no sense of that. It's just a, a thing. It's functional, it's convenient, but it, it's soulless. That's the word I'm looking for. It's soulless. Yeah. When I look at a new kilner jar, I always sterilize it by putting some water in it and putting it in the microwave. Okay. Although Panasonic don't approve of that, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, you know, and, and just make sure that it's nice and clean. I don't, know, I don't know what processes they use at the factory. Right. Um, but it's always kind of I look at it with a sort of certain amount of reverence. I mean, you know, you, you're starting your journey. It's a bit like when I started my sexual career, you know, after I lost my virginity, I thought, I just wonder where he's going with this, you know. <laughs> I wonder that every time you mention sex, Daniel, I'm like, how <laughs> did he manage to bring this into the conversation every single time? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to make an admission here. The first girl, <clears throat> whoever, you know, was somehow persuaded to sleep with me was an incredibly attractive blonde who was... Um, being, you know, ridiculously sort of fawned over by a lot of guys at the place I was working. Right. And uh, they were at lunch one day. She was at lunch surrounded by these guys. And I just came up and I did the most brilliant thing. I just gave her a note. <laughs> <laughs> I'd written something down, folded it in half, and I gave it to her and walked okay. off. And it caused absolute consternation. Like, what did he say? And you know, subsequently, she found that to be enough of a sort of you know, persuasive enough that I was amusing or different enough. Yeah. I can't actually remember what I said in the note, <clears throat> but it might have been, you know, you need to stop hanging around with these losers when you want to go for a drink. Let me know. <laughs> Or what would have been clever is be like, this This note is going to cause a stir. Look up and see their reaction. Yeah. yeah. When, you, when you read this note, smile broadly, you know, make them even more mad. Um, but yes, no, I, I know I'm trying to get sex, but, you know, with a sledgehammer into the conversation here, Sarah. Uh, but in a way, food and sex are, you know, 
about the only two things I'm interested in. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite difficult for me to talk about food without getting onto the other subject. I mean, I could talk about food all night long. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we even refer to it as food porn in the family when we send pictures of our creations to each other. Yeah. Um, you know, because that's that's sort of what it is. But I think the point I'm making is that Daniel, I've got a very, very important question before you you make your point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You send Kilnajar porn. <laughs> of course, <laughs> because I can stand up the jar against the light to get a back backlit picture, which is my favourite photographic technique. I sh I'm sure you know I shoot it always into the light and. Um, and it brings out the colours and the textures and the, you know, the sort of nuances brilliantly. Yeah, I, 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 uh, when I did my pair Mostada, I, I had a lot of pictures going out because that's got a particular beautiful colour, sort of golden colour. Um, so, uh, yes, I think uh, what I'm trying to say is that the jar is on its, the start of its journey when it comes out of a packet and I sterilize it. And then I think, you know, it's like a, it's like a ship or something. You know, when, when they, when they, when they launch a ship, they break a bottle of champagne and, and, you know, say, God bless all who sail in her or something. I name you the HMS, blah, blah, blah. God bless and spare all who sail in her. Smash the bottle of champagne. And then she goes off around the world from port to port, you know, Unless it's the Titanic, in which case she gets halfway across the Atlantic and sinks. By the way, I need to make a little correction from the podcast we did about the the fact there weren't enough lifeboats on the Titanic. Do you remember that? Oh, yes. Why? What happened? I've got two corrections to make. One is that Kate Winslet does take her kit off. Oh, uh, there we go. In the Chinese version, they, they, they remove that for some uh. reason. But, and the other one is that apparently the theory was you didn't need lifeboats for everybody on the Titanic because there were so many ships traveling across the Atlantic that at some point another ship would come along and you just needed the, the lifeboat to, to ferry you over to the, to the other ship where you would you know, be saved and then it would come back. Right. And forwards and backwards. So it wasn't like everyone had to get on a lifeboat and then that was it. And the ones left behind, too bad. But apparently the California, which was the other big vessel that saw the distress flares from the Titanic and thought they were just celebrating, prior to that, there'd been some bad blood between the two ships. The radio, the radio um, operator from the California had radioed the Titanic because they were going the opposite direction, saying, be careful, ice ahead. And the reply from the Titanic was, you know, who cares? We're the Titanic. Oh, no. And so after it became, you know, the, so, the, so the California wasn't really minded to help when they came by later. And, and they thought, they were, oh, they were, they're oh, okay. They're the Titanic. Well, there was stuff then, you know, if they think they don't need any help, good luck. So apparently it was all a terrible misunderstanding. Mm. Um, all right, so I've made my mayor culpa for that. Uh, I... No, when you said, oh, there's normally other ships nearby, I've now just got the song in my head. I saw three ships come sailing in. <laughs> come sailing in. Three ships. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I know. So there's always a ship nearby, hence the song. Well, yeah, so I was just, that's true. I'm just making the point that ships go on these, these long, these have the, they have these long careers, don't they? They go all around the world, you know, endless things, and then they get 
taken and broken up finally somewhere. Um, but um, but again, but looking at the new Kilnager, I think you're you're starting out on your on your journey in life, and, Daniel, and maybe the yes. No, finish what you're saying, and then I'll come in. No, I'm just trying to link that with my references to to the first girl I persuaded, you know, with the note. But maybe when I'm sticking notes on the Kilner jar and, and giving the jar to people, it's kind of like, you know, what, what it really says is, would you like to sleep with me? And it might say, you know, cashew and almond nuts, December 2022 with uh, with bacon. But what it really says is, would you like to sleep with me? You see. Do you know what? Show me a Kilner jar any day. I'm at... <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually browsing on Instagram the hashtag Kilner Jars. And I tell you what, Daniel, there are some fancy designs of some here. Really? Oh, I'm, I'm at the plain end of the market, cheap and cheerful. Daniel, what? you can get ones where you can juice straight on top of it or grate straight into it. You can have one that's on the side and pour from it. Really? Different shapes and sizes, different colours. I'm, yeah. There is. This is right. this is this is Kilner porn. This is what I was <laughs> asking about. Well, I, I'm I'm against that idea. I think the the jar and the content should speak for themselves. I don't want you know, green or pink jars, or I don't know what you're looking at, but. I think maybe uh, that person had just sprayed it. But uh, yeah. you can also get a Kilner jar lunch box kind of thing. So it's got a fork at the side. Yeah, there's a fork attachment. Well, that hooks onto the side uh, so you can take it on your, uh, take it to work. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure, you know, they, they come up with various formats. But I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm talking about the essential clip-based jar with a rubber ring. Yeah, no, they're showing lots. No, they still have that on there. Although I fear for the future of glass because it uses a lot of energy. You, you, you know, to melt glass takes a huge amount of energy. And I mean, I don't know how cheap that can be going forward. Mm. The thing about plastic is it's injected where you need it. So, you know, you just it doesn't take up space. Right. Uh, where the jars have to be made and, and then sent around the world and you know with a lot of fresh air in them which is expensive to travel and so and also very expensive to heat so i think that with all the energy problems of the world i wonder if you know there's going to be a problem with glass-based packaging although they still use glass from wine they must, must use make millions of bottles of wine every year don't they so much wine in the world maybe they should have you know flip top ones like the grolsch beer and then send them back to be refilled you know every year I mean, that would be flip top, flip top wine, but you just put a cork back in it, don't you? No, no, but I mean, the you know, the Grolsch beer has a cage mechanism, like you know, similar to the Kilner with a with a rubber stop on a, on at the top. Yeah. And you press, press down the cage and and, and it sh snaps it shut, so you can open it and reuse it. Right. Reshut uh, and reshut it. And then yeah. saving on corks as well. Yeah. So tell me more about tins, Sarah, because I think you, I didn't really give you a chance to develop your thinking there. Oh, tins. Yeah. Tins. I've got some tins with money in, some tins with, uh, what else are in my tins? Receipts in. They're handy to put those away and keep safe. Or I've just got a, uh, 
tins with biscuits so who, and cakes in. Who was for Tang for Tang Ole Biscuit Barrel? I don't know. Tang. I think he was a Monty Python character, wasn't he? At a time when um, when MPs had silly names like Screaming Lord Such, you know, right. so that they would get elected because they had the funniest name on the on the list. Screaming Lord Such was it? So I think I think Monty Python invented this chuck called for Tang for Tang Ole Biscuit Barrel. Now, what is a biscuit barrel? Well, I've just looked it up, and it's we had a biscuit barrel. It was a gold topped one, so it's got a lovely uh, round knob on top, and it's oh, quite. What are, you, what, what are you talking about now? <laughs> it's a a knobbly handle <laughs> to pull to pull the lid off. Yeah. But is it barrel shaped? It is barrel shaped, yes. Okay. Um, and that's like a um something you can it's airtight, is it? Yes, and if as I if I recall correctly, under the lid on the one we had, there seemed to be some kind of function where it absorbs moisture. Yeah, you know, funny you should mention that because my French neighbours here um, gave me uh, something uh, as a present which came in a tin they bought locally. Yeah. Exactly, as you said, it had a, had a deep lid, but inside the depth of the lid was some sort of charcoal, activated charcoal or right. something. That, 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 and so if you put, like, if you, if you open a packet of oat cakes, let's say, and leave two behind, and sometimes we're not here for three months. Yeah. You come back after three months and it's perfect. Like it, you know, came out of a fresh packet. It's incredible how well it preserves things. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, so they, they, and, and that's not something you see at all. You know, no, no one's out. But the amount of food waste going on, you know, from stupid packaging that you can't reseal. And when you get to it, you know, it's sort of everything's gone sort of un inedible, soft, and unpleasant. Um, or worse, you know, I mean, these, these tins and things, you know, with, with that activated chocolate could be an incredible lifesaver for people who like their biscuits crisp and who are too lazy to find any, any other method of saving them. Yeah. No, I think it's a great... I think, yeah. But I mean, that's going back to a bit like uh, what we were saying in the previous episodes, just using things that we used to have before the finer nicer quality things because they do a better yeah. job they they've been engineered to last and function highly high functioning I mean, items if you if you went back in time and and showed people what happens to a packet of digestive biscuits you know that you showed them they bought a packet in its plasticky wrapper and then they kept it in the plasticky wrapper you know, yeah. they would do their he would do their heads in. I mean, anybody in the fifties, sixties would have put it into a biscuit barrel or a biscuit tin or something with an airtight seal. Yeah. I mean, my my brother had massive kilner jars, David, with ground glass tops. So they didn't actually have a, a mechanism to clasp them shut, but the lid and the inside of the top had been ground together, so it formed a perfect seal. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And I think they spin the glass inside each other with some abrasive so it, it actually, you know, finds its own perfect seating. 
a bit like when you when you revalve an engine you know you have to put a suction cup on top of the valve and a bit of abrasive you know on the on the, the mating surface and and run it between your hands to spin it round very fast so we will actually mate up perfectly with the metal surface that it has to close again so you get a perfect seal on the valve in the engine right I mean, anyone who's rebuilt an engine and i have will know that's one of the things you have to do and um it's a bit like that with his client. He had really massive ones with, with incredible cookies in them. And I just look, you would look at that and think, my God, they look amazing. You know, just, just a sense of abundance, you know, which you don't get looking through a, at a plastic package, put in a drawer or in a cupboard somewhere. And, and the beauty of that was you could just lift up the top and, and put it back and it would be as good a seal as the rubber bun. But it's expensive to grind glass and, and get a perfect seat between the two surfaces, which is what that did. But, you know, an incredible piece of kit to have in the kitchen. Yeah. You know, I'm, uh, the more I think about this, the more I think I'm right and Jane's wrong. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, I've, been I've been feeling really sort of apologetic and defensive and sheepish. Like, you know, when I come back with 36... <laughs> from the garden center i don't bring them all in at once you know i just get bringing six from the boot of the car you know thinking that won't cause trouble but then you know then i'm going to another six another day and then another six you know you know what? you remind me of my dad who just turn up back at home <laughs> with loads of demijohns to make wine <laughs> we'd have more demijohns than we we did have wine it's like well when are you going to make all this wine to fill <laughs> to fill the bottles? Yeah. And they ended well, up just at the bottom of the garden, just slowly making their way into the house and being used. That's right. You can you know the, the shock of 36 arriving at once would be too great. Yeah. And cause cause serious ructions. But you know, I think he picked some up because I was there must be phases of when people go, I'm going to make wine or this, that and the other. So they splash out on all these jars and then <laughs> they don't actually make use of all of them. So they'd end up, there was a time where you could go down to the recycle centre, the skip, and just take things that people had discarded down there, either for a, a couple of yeah. pets or a few bob or for, completely for free. So yeah, Dad will just go and collect them and go. Oh yeah, I'll make more wine. Actually, I've got one um, one kiln jar full of preserved um, garlic. Oh, uh, I was look I was looking for a way to to make garlic more interesting. You have to be really careful with garlic. Warning here, because if you try and keep it, it, it grows some sort of poisonous um, chemical. Can't remember what it's called. So even if you even if you keep it under oil, it's not safe. Right. Or only for a few days, you know, you, you can't you can't keep it. But I, I found a recipe for keeping it in vinegar, and the vinegar got loads of beautiful herbs and things in it, which I boiled up beautifully, and then put the vinegar, and then put the whole garlic cloves in, peeled, and put that in the fridge, and that keeps them absolutely amazing, and they come out really, really special. And again, it looks beautiful, you know, all that garlic floating around. Yeah. Um. So yes, I. Uh, do you think everyone thinks I'm a bit sad as a result of this? Sort of no, just probably endearing. Mooching around with my kiln the jars for company, you know, sort of 
imagining which of them I'm going to open and give a bit of time to. Do you, do you remember that? Uh, what's his name? McIntyre. What's his first name? Michael. Michael. Yeah, he he did a thing about the spice rack, uh, a skit. Do you remember that? I don't think I've heard that one. I mean, it's very funny. It's uh, it's all about which spices get opened frequently, you know, and how some of them get like the five spice got really upset, you know, that the pepper and the chili were being opened all the time and used, and you know, the five spice was just sitting there, no, no one ever paying attention to it. Oh, dear. <laughs> kind of like, like you got spice. you got spice jealousy or envy or something. Um, and he, but he did it brilliantly. I mean, I know he's not very popular because he never says the F word, but it has to be said, unless he stole that skit from somebody, it was a piece of genius, which, you know, amuses me in a similar vein that, you know, the Kilner jars are all sitting there saying, me, notice me, you know, so the other day the, the beans got noticed, you know, the white beans, um, and, uh, but, you know, probably upset somebody else in the, in the process because there's a, so it's a crowded field of jars all screaming for attention and I can't yeah. that's I why can't you have to rotate you have to keep everything on rotation yes but at least they're out there sort of vying for attention not stuck in a cupboard in a in an open plastic bag with a seal on it you know yeah. by the way when I when I put things in the kilner jars I have to label them because sometimes they just like white powder and you don't know what that is you know, it could be the cocaine it could be the flower, it could be anything. Well, I, I cut out the label on yeah. the plastic and then stuck it on the jar for my oats. So then I know that they're my oats and not the budget oats that somebody else has bought. Yeah, I, I get my oats somewhere else altogether, but you know. Oh, so. <laughs> um, but you're right, you cut out the label and stick it on, don't you? That's, um, yeah. Then you know. Or you pop it inside, you know. Uh, so you know it's the strong bread flour or, or whatever. Yeah. And I have this thing with my porridge now, where I have steel cut oats, which take more cooking. So I have them in one jar, and then I have my sunflower seeds in another jar, and my pumpkin seeds in another jar, and, and my demerara sugar in another jar. I can see how all these jars. <laughs> Can be a new and my and my pre-chopped apricot pieces, you know, which I slice up and put in another jar ready. So when when everything is time to to make the porridge, you know, I've got everything which I can just sort of put a little handful of this in, a little handful of that in. You know, I don't have to open packets and fiddle around. I can just put my great big pour in. That's the other beautiful thing about a Lisa size um, Kilner jars. You know, I can actually get my hand in there, oh, grab yeah. a bit. And chuck them in and then seal it back up, you know. That's actually a very important thing to check when you buy a jar. Yeah, I mean, there's three measures in the kitchen. There's 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 grams or or, or ounces, that's one. Then there's the cups or whatever. And then there's the handful, you know. And I find the handful is a much easier measure for me. Right. And people like Jamie Oliver have always says, you know, a handful of this and a handful of that. And if you've got kill the jars, it's much easier to work out what a handful is. Right, yeah. Okay. Well, you, you were about to say something, Sarah, before I squashed your. I mean, your I, I was just saying. All over you. Well, if a child picks up a handful, it's not going to be the same handful. But children are a handful in their own right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, Sarah. Yeah. Um, that 
if everyone hasn't fallen asleep, you know, already, they, they will do very shortly if we don't, we don't bring them back to reality. I, I think we should be buying shares in Kilmer jars or if the Kilmer jar people notice a massive increase in, in, in demand, you know, they, they might Daniel, trace it back to this podcast. Yeah, I think so. And do you know what? They, you and our listeners should try uh, searching for Kilmer jars hashtag on Instagram just look at all the pretty pictures that come up of people organising their kilner jars. Shouldn't we say other brands are available or something like that? But rarely are other brands available. Yeah. I mean, I know Ikea do them, and I have bought them from Ikea in the past. Right. But they won't send them to you anymore. They used to send them to me, but now they won't. You have to go to Ikea and, you know, you'll probably buy the kilner jars and £160 worth of other stuff you didn't need, like, an extra colander just in case and uh, yeah. some night lights and then a set of crockery and a vase and, you know, and some meatballs to pack. take home whilst you have a hot dog <laughs> on the exit <laughs> <laughs> and whilst we're there we'll get some salt licorice fish as well but uh yeah. no definitely take a look they are very helpful it's always good to have a couple around the house and uh i was going to say something else I can't remember what. The other, the other, the other, the other bit of advice I think we're giving people is, you know, when a girl that you like is in is in hot demand, mm-hmm. be brave and slip her a note whilst everyone's watching. There you go. There we go. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I totally lost what I was going to say. So yeah, maybe we'll just wrap it up, Daniel. Oh no! Come on, have a think. When I mentioned looking on Instagram, uh. You're going to send a picture that we can add to our Instagram for our listeners to check out what you've been creating. Oh, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. And there. Uh, no. All right. It's gone. It's All right. Gone. Well, look, um, I think we've managed to talk about Kilmer Jars way longer than most ordinary civilized human beings could ever imagine that it was a subject worthy of consideration. So I think that's a, an achievement in its own right. Well, this is why this is homespun wisdom. We can find conversations with anything around the house. <laughs> but I'm just about to go and make lunch for me and Jane. And, and of course, there's going to be some Kilmer jars involved in the making of, uh, of lunch. Um, those beans I did, they are in a Kilmer jar. And I did some lentil soup, which is in another Kilmer jar. Um, <laughs> I, was, I was trying to shove some frankfurters in a Kilmer jar. <laughs> Oh, you need the extra long ones. No, no, they fit quite well in the litre size one, actually. It's, um, and they, they look nice. It's like a forest, a little forest of, of frankfurters, you know, sitting up vertically in a kilner jar. And you can just open the lid and take one out. It's, you know, it's, I think there's pleasure in all these little details. And I, I just realised now, mm-hmm. talking to you, that there are small ways I reinforce my, myself of, my, my sense of identity every day. Um, courtesy of uh, you know, putting t- things together out of nice jars that I've had some part in building and making. And then and we haven't even talked about my gherkins and cucumber pickles and things. And we, we could have gone on and on here. Um, they look amazing, actually. They just look beautiful. Sliced cucumbers in, in the vinegar mix. Oh, my God. Ah, my old classmate used to do a nice vinegar pickly but, thing. But look... Enough already, as they say in my tribe. Um, yes, it doesn't. Get, it, 
making me hungry. Yes, exactly. That's what I'm saying. We need to go and get some lunch. So I'll love you and leave you. So it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. Until, Until next, next time. time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>